big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello, and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are doing a really special thing because it's very rare, as you probably noticed, that we have any guests on our podcast and we've never had two guests at the same time. But today we have with us Sean and Sally, who are going to share a really um, profound and powerful experience that they've had uh, with Aware Parenting and their son, Cedar. And there are some really exciting news that they have um, about an offering that they're bringing into the world from based on the experiences they've had. So hello and a big warm welcome to you, Sally and Sean. Hello. Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So um, should we dive straight in? I would love to hear your story. What happened for you with your son's birth? Would you like to share? And I do want to also say just before we um, before you start sharing that some of these things might be quite painful for people to hear. And uh, particularly if you've experienced uh, as a listener, um, your baby experiencing birth trauma. So I really invite you to we all invite you to be really gentle with yourself and pause anytime if you need to. So because, you know, they're really sharing this incredible story of their son's birth. Mm, and I also wanted to share, um, you know, hearing people's stories is so powerful, isn't it? And it can absolutely tap us into our own um, places within what we're going to hear um, Sally and Sean's story. And then afterwards, we're going to talk more about birth trauma and how that can turn up for people as well. So um, just, you know, we, we've got two parts to this episode where we're going to go a bit deeper into what that can look like for, for and, and birth trauma can look so different for lots of people. But we really wanted to highlight that beautiful, powerful healing aspect of what aware parenting can bring, particularly when there has been birth trauma experiences. Mm, so let's let's dive in. So hand over to you guys if you want to start maybe by sharing just a little bit about Cedar's story and how that unfolded. Yeah, so hmm, I guess it started when um, we consciously conceived Cedar and it really felt like his kind of his spirit came to us numerous times over the year. And when we decided that we wanted to have a baby and we were ready, it only took us one month and Cedar just arrived. And he's always kind of had this energy that he's just like, he's here. And um, yeah, during the pregnancy, I just really felt such a calling to just actually stop everything that I was doing in my outside world and to just purely focus on growing this baby and connecting with him and I would journal with what he was telling me and we just had this most beautiful connection as a family and really what we wanted for our birth was a home birth like that, that was what our hearts were telling us and I guess because of our limiting beliefs at the time and we didn't feel like we could financially afford it we wanted to choose the next best thing so um we found a regional hospital um that did births that were um there was no offer of epidural there was no high risk it was this a lot of women in the community had told us if you want to have a home birth and you can't afford to then this is a beautiful place to go so um yeah we were on this journey and 
I guess something was flagging up towards like three quarters of the way through the pregnancy when we went to go and see the birthing suite and we met the midwives. And I think it was a moment where they showed us this open incubator and they had to tell us, you know, like this is a regional hospital. So um, if it does go high risk, then, you know, there's a chance that your child will have to be flown to a city hospital. And you know, we both sat there and we're like, that's not going to happen to us. We're going to have this beautiful natural home birth in this in this birthing suite and it was when she wheeled out this open incubator that I actually just saw black and almost fainted and had to sit down and get a glass of water and something in that moment was telling me like there's something about that piece of machinery and what's about to happen and I just took it home and cried and journaled and you know really trusted that you know what I had available to me was was what we were meant to experience and um yeah I guess as well I really started to open up to really what the birthing world was looking like and what mainstream birth was you know just the lack of information and the lack of emotional intelligence that was really coming through around all these different midwives and people that we were meeting and um started to really journey into kind of the backstory of yeah, you know, that we do have a really desensitized system and that, that, you know, that we aren't given as much information as what we really should be given. And we started to kind of join this support group. And um, through that, we were finding out different, you know, pieces of information that we could say no to or we could ask more questions and started opening different books that were talking about all of these different parts of like how colonization and birth and in the end I kind of had to shut the books push them to the side and go okay like I, I really feel the pain of all the women right now that have birthed in these ways and I feel like this is a major moment for me in my journey but actually I just really need to focus now on the fact that you know we are going to birth that baby in this beautiful way with the connection of the three of us. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah so um, yeah then we, we birthed Cedar. We <laughs> went through this beautiful journey. We birthed him um, primarily at home. We had the support of our doula. We had, um, we read the first 40 days, which is like a wonderful um, book about postpartum and ancient Chinese medicine and warming foods. And, you know, that in our culture now, it's all about kind of getting your tight jeans back on and going to get a latte. Whereas actually, you know, what we've been doing for like, so long is nourishing the mother and, and to really care for the mother and yeah so then we yeah we birthed in primarily at home and our doula took us out to one of our local like clearings and we did this beautiful walk around and our, and our dog came and our cat came even though our cat had never been on a walk with us ever and she decided to come and it was just this beautiful beautiful connection that we had and then there was the moment when our doula um you know kind of said okay now is a great time for us to think about starting going to the hospital and you know everything in my being shifted in that moment and I really had to go and take myself away and have my final cry and, you know, know that I wasn't going to be getting the birth that I, you know, the home birth that I really, really wanted and to just surrender to whatever the experience was going to be. And, um, you know, I meditated in the car the whole way to the hospital. It was like a half an hour drive and we arrived. And as soon as we got into that space, I just knew 
my support here is my beloved husband. It's this beautiful baby in my womb and my doula. And I really just felt this energetic connection that we had. And I knew that that was my support and everything else that was in the space was just going to be in the space. And it, and it was, and it is, but really that's what was my kind of driving force and support. And um, yeah, the birth was actually went over like three days. So he was um, posterior. So he, yeah, so he was facing the back and as he came through, he was very twisted. So it was like a very drawn out birth and there was a lot of pain in my lower sacrum and um, the pushing part was really intense because his whole body was so twisted. And I guess there got to points in the birth where, um, you know, it, I, mean, I felt like we were really honored in our experience that we didn't want to have any intervention and I felt really safe in that but there was points where I could feel the energy was rising because there was meconium, meconium saying that right in the um when the waters broke and there was like little bits that were flagging it up to be like cause of concern but I'd always just bring the energy back down and always just trust you know it's my body's born to do this I'm going to be able to birth my baby and um I did eventually birth him and it took our doula to strip off into our underwear and the midwife was there on shift that was covered in a plastic coating not wanting to get herself wet yet you know our doula was right in there with us and she was getting me to hold the bar and get down and move my hips. And um, it was just like this huge energy and Cedar was born into the world. Um, and yeah, he was really shook up when he was born. He was like blue, his head was like a massive cone from being twisted and pushed through and he was struggling to breathe. And, um, but straight away, there wasn't really a cause for concern. Like it was just about, you know, taking Cedar and putting him on my chest and, then my doctor, I guess, wanted to honor my birthing preferences that we wanted to keep the placenta attached. So, um, yeah, I wanted to keep the placenta attached for a couple of hours after the birth. And so she was really honoring my decision in that. And um, on reflection, it actually came to us and apologized and said that actually she felt like she was honoring my birth preferences more than actually using her intuition to know that she should have intervened, cut the cord and given Cedar extra care to get the liquid off his lungs and to actually revive him before he put him put Cedar into my arms. But she didn't do that. She was instead following that we wanted to have the placenta attached. So um, I had Cedar in my chest and he was, he was limp and he wasn't, you could feel that there was something. Yeah, he wasn't, um, he wasn't latching on and, he was lying in our arms and I guess that he eventually they started to see there was a cause for concern after about two hours, I think maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, then that's when they started to do like stats and checks and they put him on this open incubator, this piece of machinery where I'd almost fainted when I saw it in the pregnancy and they put him on it. And that was kind of that moment when he was really taken out of our arms. Yeah. And if you want to share about that part of the experience yourself. Oh. I also well, want to say I'm just sending you both so much love as you recount this because I'm imagining yeah, even though I know you've both done so much so much healing around this I imagine there's still feelings you that you connect back in with you know I feel really touched hearing so uh, yeah sending you love and thank you for being willing to share this Sean yeah uh, it's still really hard to talk about um, even now just Sally so beautifully describing that whole story um, and being really taken back there. Um, 
my heart is pounding and my hands are getting sweaty. And it's sort of the same feelings I had in my body when it was happening um, during that time at the hospital. And I really, um, really just froze because I couldn't, you know, part of me with my mind and my body was sort of thinking like, I just need to get Cedar out of this situation. I just need to, because I knew nothing was, I knew nothing was really that wrong with him, you know, and, um, but he started going on that slippery slope of people getting worried about him and then more people coming in and taking him. And, um, and so I was just, you know, pushed to the side, felt really powerless, um, you know, as this, that's sort of where the song came from of this, like, you know, I guess I, I wanted to, I had this sort of, you know, in, in promise to him that when he was going to arrive, I was going to be able to catch him and keep him warm. And, and, you know, that's really where that song came from, um, where I just really couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And um, uh, it was really, really hard. And he was taken, um, he was given, he was made to be given a, um, a vitamin K shot, uh, which we didn't really want to do. And then um, we were told that he was either going to go to um, Melbourne or he was going to go to Bendigo. And he, um, he ended up going in a helicopter to Bendigo. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. And I guess that was like on reflection of the whole situation, it's like, you know, you've just birthed your baby and you're in this space and you had all these expectations of how it was going to be, you know, like we'd cooked this chicken and red date soup and we had it sitting in the fridge and we'd only taken so many pairs of undies because we were adamant we were going to birth Cedar and we're going to bring him home. Like we didn't want to stay in the hospital. We didn't want to be in a hospital. We wanted to be in our house. Like we left our dog and our dog was like, why are you leaving right now? Seriously, you're about to birth a baby and you're going? Like we could feel that she was distressed and then instead, like, we were just there and suddenly, you know, first of all, there's, like, one extra person in the room then there's, like, two. And then before we know it, there's, like, seven people in the room. There's a helicopter outside. There's this intense, like, spaceship that they're about to put our baby in. There's, like, men in the room that I could energetically feel that were, like, uncomfortable that I had my breasts out. And it's just all of a sudden this, like, absolute chaos. And then, yeah, they tell us, we're going to fly your son. We don't know which hospital he's going to. We don't know if you're going to have a room. You know, it's just, like, we yeah, almost, yeah. I mean, it was, like, the hardest moment of our whole lives, really, mm. to be in that position. And, um, I, I mean, really fortunately... And again, I really want to acknowledge that I really hear just the hardest, the hardest place you've ever been in in your whole lives of the painfulness, the overwhelm. Really want to acknowledge that. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, so then he got, we were told that actually he was going to be going to the closer hospital, he was going to go to Bendigo instead of Melbourne. And that was an improvement and we had our doctor working with us who was actually really quite amazing um who you know was calling up the hospital being like these this family really need a room with their baby let's organize that like let's you know let's she was really our advocate for more support in the system um and then yeah he got flown away and our doula went and got us some like gross noodles <laughs> and we were sitting outside and we were like 
where's our baby? <laughs> and then we had to get in that car, holding this, like, bleeding all through my clothes, holding this box of noodles, just driving to Bendigo to go and try and find our son. And, um, yeah, I got totally lost trying to get to him in this intensive care unit. Luckily, there was, like, a staff member that was happened to go through a door where we'd almost got ourselves locked into it, like, the back entrance of the hospital, and she just, like, took us straight to our baby and we're allowed to open this little flap where we could touch his hand and um yeah then it was like that was like almost like the next stage of the whole thing was like okay three days in intensive care nursery and um yeah I mean fortunately they did give us a room the room was like kind of the other side of the hospital we had to sleep separate to him on that first night and um yeah I woke up in the night, my body was completely convulsing and I was sweating and freezing cold and sobbing and yeah, it was just, it was like my heart was being ripped out. It was the most painful thing. <laughs> and then we went and, you know, we sat by his side for every minute that we could and we re we got our power back from the experience that we were having. You know, we were surrounded by these kind of midwives that had been working in this intensive care unit for a long time with babies and they had a system and they had a way and we actually said, you know what, we don't want you to use your nappies, we want you to use our nappies and we would like you to use our wipes and we would like you to, you know, we want to be able to put our finger in his mouth and, you know, they wanted us to wear gloves and we're like, he's just come through my vagina, like we're not going to wear a glove, we're going to put the, our fingers in his mouth and, you know, like we got to regain our power, we got Sean's mum to come and bring us this because we only wanted to eat warm in foods that weren't like cold and crunchy and there was no way we were eating hospital. Food. so we got them to like stop at our health food store where the you know our Sean's parents were inundated with all these food packages from our friends and yeah so we just got to you know take up space and to say actually no we want to hold him as much as possible and we're gonna we're gonna sit by his side and you know we are and then there was the whole process of breastfeeding and you know I didn't feel comfortable expressing um milk beforehand I just knew I was like so then Cedar is with me on my body but he's gonna breastfeed I have so much trust in that and um, then because we didn't want to use bottle feeding and because I didn't want to express with the pump, it was like every midwife would come on shift and have different tips and different ways that I was doing it wrong with the breastfeeding and putting so much pressure on me and then see he wasn't drinking enough milk and he wasn't weeing enough in the nappies and then it was like, you've got to stay on the drip for longer. And it was just, it was just coming in so hard. And I just knew, I was like, as soon as all of these people leave and I'm alone with my husband and my baby, like he's going to feed. and that. Is exactly what happens like yeah yeah it really I was just gonna say um you know I I too have had an experience where you know I wasn't able to be with my baby when she was born and we were separated and and um it is an experience that many people go through and, you know, I really want to acknowledge the powerlessness of how you can feel. And it can be so confusing because on one level we're like, hey, is my little one okay? And we want to do whatever we can to make sure they're all right. And yet every instinct in you is like, I want to hold them close and I want to be with them. And this isn't how we thought it was going to look. And that can feel so, so big. And, you know, I'm sure as you are telling your story so beautifully that, you know, perhaps other parents listening to this going, yeah, I know that feeling uh, of what it is like. And particularly for the dream that we sometimes have for the birth that we want, 
when it doesn't go the way that, well, you know, I always go, we can have our dream of how the birth should go. And then our little ones go, hey, I've got a whole other plan. And so we'll do this. Or sometimes our system gets involved or who knows, you know, birth is one big, beautiful mystery, right? But I just really want to acknowledge that the feelings of powerlessness that can be so strong and so conflicting because every part of you wants to fight for what you want. And yet, Sometimes we're in a system that that can be beautiful, but also can not be beautiful, and it, it is such a big, big experience, you know. And I really just want to acknowledge for you guys as first time parents, as you're entering to parenthood, that's really huge. That's really, really huge. You know, when it happened for me, it was my third baby, and so um, you know, part it didn't feel as massive. It was still upsetting but it didn't feel as alarming because there was a part of me that had gone, I know what comes next and what it could be, and those kind of things but I really that first time into parenting is such a a really massive initiation and I really hear how big that is or was for both of you with what you were deeply desiring and then what it was looking like yeah and I love that you know that you know we can prepare all we like but yeah like Cedar chose us and he knew this birth was coming and now I'm sitting here and I'm speaking about it and I go to mother circles and I speak and I go to mums and bubs yoga and I speak and it's just feels like we've wrote, like Sean wrote this song and then we're watching this video and it just already so many parents are reaching out to us and saying, hey, actually, I really know what you're talking about. Like I've got that feeling and I see now that I'm like, you know, it completely tore us apart and then we rebuilt ourselves and then now we are strong enough to be on the other side of it and to, to share the message and that we found, you know, this beautiful way that actually Cedar didn't have to live with his trauma and neither did we. Like, of course, it's always going to be a part of our story, but it didn't need to continue to affect him the way that, I mean, I, I think so many babies that don't get that chance to heal from the mm. birth trauma would still be carrying, so... So do you guys perhaps want to share um, just how then you came across, you know, we're parenting or you're aware that, you know, you all perhaps were carrying some trauma and, and what you wanted to do with that? Do you want to share a bit more about how you came across that and what you started doing? Mm. Yeah, it was about seven months in. So we'd kind of pushed because we were, we just really felt like we couldn't really trust anybody after that experience we went home and we were receiving our meal trains and we were in our little bubble and neither of us went back to work and we were just really focused in and um we'd kind of pushed people aside that actually like we saw a network spinal analysis chiropractor that I've been working with the whole pregnancy and one of her offerings was that she was going to do a home visit and come and do a session on cedar but I hadn't I just like blocked out even that that was an op- like an option it was almost just like a no like I don't want anybody near us we cancelled the midwife visits we were just like just let us heal like we need to heal and we got into like seven months into it and you know I was breastfeeding all the time. We were co-sleeping. We had him on our skin. We were doing kangaroo care. We were naked with him in the bath. We knew that he needed to have that physical contact as his healing, which we were doing all of that and giving ourselves to him. But then, you know, like from breastfeeding all night long and him only ever sleeping for one hour and his fists were clenched and he wouldn't poo sometimes for like a week. And all of these signs were showing us that he was like carrying so much trauma and was in this like continuous state of fight or flight. And I guess it got to like that seven month mark of just being like, I really don't think that parents 
parenting needs to look like this. Like I'm doing all of the things. I haven't really studied attachment parenting, but we were just innately attachment parenting. And it was like, this is really hard. I really don't feel like it needs to be this hard. And I guess that was the moment that we were like, okay, let's invite some people in and let's get curious and let's actually just like ask the universe for some support. And that's when we contacted our doula and she came over and gave me like a foot bath and a foot massage. And I was like, please just give me some resources. I just want to, I just, I feel like there's something else I'm missing. And she gave us the continuum concept, which I read in like one session. And then she said, try the Aware Parenting podcast. Some parents really, really like it. And by the way, she spoke about it. I don't even think that she had actually listened to it. She just recommended it to us. And um, that's when I was driving to a farm one day. I was taking like a couple of hours away from Cedar and Sean and I listened and I listened to your episode about birth and I just absolutely broke. Like my heart cracked open and I just cried the whole way home. And I turned the car around and I listened to you, Lael, talk about your experience with your with your daughter and that you just went to her and said, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm going to listen. And I just walked through the house and picked Cedar up and Sean was like, do you want me to come with you? And I was like, no, I just need some time alone with Cedar. And I shut the door and I went into the room and I picked him up and I looked into his eyes and I was like, Cedar, I'm so sorry that I didn't know until now, but just like, just tell me, tell me about it. And then he cried for like two weeks straight, really. <laughs> and yeah, we would just sit with him and hold him or lie in the bed with him and wrap our arms around him. And we'd just say, Cedar, just tell us, just tell us we're here for you and we love you and we're holding you. And he would arch his back and move and cry. And it was just this beautiful somatic release that would last hours and hours and hours and we would come and then he would just drop into these sleeps and we were used to him sleeping like an hour it was like the most he would ever sleep and then he was just like whoa he just slept four hours or something and we would have a cup of tea after and we would have a chat and then we'd be like did you feel like he was telling you this then and you know mm. yeah we'd be like yeah like it was that it was that moment like it was that bit and every time that he had these releases he was unpacking different parts of the process and we would both totally connected to that <laughs> yeah telepathically we were both with noticing the same um parts of the trauma that was coming up for him which was mm -hmm. incredible yeah and it was so hard to do in the beginning just i had um from my perspective i had um you know a lot of resistance right especially the first one or two sessions of um you know making sure that it, all of his basic needs are met that he's got had food and he's got a clean nappy and then then if he's still wanting to cry then just letting him sit and cry and holding him and we would create like a barrier we would sort of lie down on the bed together and me and Sal would be on one side I'd be on the other and Cedar would be in the middle and he would just sort of bounce between us and cry and cry and cry for hours and hours and hours on end um like especially the first few days um and it was so hard oh my god it's just like brought so much emotion up in me thinking is this the right thing to do like are we you know and then but seeing but seeing how he came through it and his body changed it wasn't just his sleep it was how he was he was softer in his body and he, he wasn't as tense and you could see his legs were looser you know and um and he, he was, was pooing calm. like sometimes he wouldn't pee for a whole week and then all of a sudden he was like pooing every day 
yeah. sleeping longer, like stints, and his fists were always clenched, and then suddenly, like his fists weren't clenched anymore. And it was, yeah, it was mm. really just like it's like his whole being was starting to just unravel. Mm. Mm. And then I love that you're sharing, um, Sean and Sally, these really practical ways, because I think it's that is so often um, Lyle and I talk about, you know, the evidence really, and we so support parents to to really be getting that evidence from a baby or our child that actually this is helping them. So I really appreciate all those practical, tangible things that you noticed that were different for him. Um, anything else that you noticed as well that were that gave you reassurance that this he was healing from that birth trauma? like eye contact yeah. or cuddling up into you, any of those, did you notice? And how he was actually sleeping. Definitely. Yeah. Was he more yeah. whilst he was sleeping and things like that? Yeah, yeah. So he would drop into like much, much deeper sleeps and for so many more sleep cycles and for so much longer. Mm. And, you know, then he would wake as well and just like... Yeah, his eye contact and just the way that when we would hold him, it was just like, you know, before you could just feel it, you could feel this like this like harshness, like this he was holding, like holding constantly. And it's just like he dropped. Yeah, his shoulders dropped and, yeah, his muscles loosened. And, yeah, when he would wake up um, prior to us doing this, you know, he would wake up and cry, cry, cry. But then doing this practice, he would have a good sleep and then he sometimes he would even wake up and just lie there staring at the ceiling or you know just mm. being being by himself and we wouldn't even know he'd been awake for a while and you could just see how and then he would you'd see he'd see us and he'd smile and and then it was like okay yeah this is this is really shifting something in his body yes it's such a tangible thing isn't it that, that how different he felt in himself did you also notice he smiled I'm, I'm really just drawing this up because it's so important to actually really get this uh, evidence like the he was also smiling more and actually happier through actually getting to release these feelings yeah Thank definitely you. definitely and he's um always you know since then he's well how he is now he's his eye contact is um He's a very present baby. He's, yeah, <laughs> and you would think because of like right separation, like this is quite extreme separation being flown in a in a helicopter. You'd think that you know he would kind of carry that, but um, actually, Cedar is just like so relaxed in himself, and he loves being in an open space. And he's um, you know, as long as he knows that we're in the space with him, he does just go off and he and he wants to be himself. And he's amongst the room, and he's he often goes to the babies that you can feel have a lot of that tension. And he goes and kisses them, and he brings that love to them. And yeah, yeah. it's like from you know from what his experience of what it was to like the baby that he is now, and how like brightly he shines. Yeah, and also as well the the connection that I had then with Cedar it was like. You know, I don't want to say that I didn't feel a bond to him. I did, but I think because I was really protecting my own heart of just like, okay, I'm just in this survival. I need to make sure my family's okay. I need to like learn how to mother my baby. Like I it felt like I just didn't have the support or the space, the awareness to really journey into that trauma myself. And the, I could only let Cedar so much into my heart because of the wall that I created. And from him kind of bursting it open meant that we had to go away and burst it open because, you know, it's, we had to learn ourselves of like okay so you know we weren't held like this when we were babies so there's some work here to do and um yeah it just 
it just felt like it was this huge ball that just burst open and all of us just cascaded into okay this was massive it's not it's not bigger than us and yeah I mean from your amazing podcast we had we then had tools of how to how to navigate this kind of like level of trauma that we were all carrying Mm. that's really amazing I really want to honor the willingness of you both to do it I mean sometimes yes and I think a lot of parents will relate to this they come to aware parenting because their children are not sleeping or they can see there's trauma or there's there's you know lots of big behavioral issues or there's stuff that's going on that people go there's got to be a different way so I think a lot of parents do come to it out of crisis I I did the same as well and you know I really it, it takes courage to lean into to those feelings as you were saying you know not only holding space for cedar but for yourselves as well and what came up I, I would love to hear how your song came about, Sean. How, what, do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, well, um, I think that happened um, not long after we'd started doing this practice with Cedar and holding space for him and holding him through his tears. And um, I think I was just called to um, start writing that song. My body was needing to process those emotions that were coming up um, of all the stuff that we hadn't, we hadn't dealt with of the birth. And um, I just needed to start telling the story of um, what, what happened. And I thought it was, I thought of the, um, that at the time there were, I didn't feel like there was a lot of, there was a lot out there for um, support for men. Um, and I, I guess um, I just needed to just to, to say my side of it and and how I wanted to do all these things for him and keep him warm and cuddle him and um, keep him safe. Um, but I really couldn't, and it was completely taken from me. So yeah, I wrote the song and we um, I played it to Sally and. Um, so we just cried so much. We just cried for a couple of hours, I think. Um, Sean would play it on the piano in the living room and I would hold Cedar and sway and we'd just all be crying and letting it go together. Hmm. Mm. And your healing modality has kind of always been to write music. Like all of Sean's music is always about these pivotal moments in your life where it's like I really believe that, that we all have this unique way that we process our own trauma and our own stories. And this was, this is yours. It always has been. And mm. it was the way for you to really start to move it through your body. Mm. Yeah. And it really, for me, um, it really helped a lot to be able to sing about it and, and, you know, emotively play it on the piano. And, um, and I guess it's just one of those songs that we've it's just stuck with us for quite a few months and then, um recently um like a few months ago we decided that you know this is something that really needed to be shared this song and so um we we created a video for it and um which such, a, really- such a powerful evocative beautiful video isn't it it's just so yummy <laughs> thank you yeah thank you i was um, we we yeah we really imagined it up like i i, I really um had i didn't really know what i was um planning on doing in the beginning but then I, I I really just felt into how how is this message going to be conveyed the easiest you know for people to really understand what we're trying to talk about and I thought I thought it was really important to have that story of 
the song at the beginning of the song, um, just to really get the context of what you know what we're talking about, and and also, yeah, I think it's just um, really important for men to be able to speak up about you know the, the stuff that they go through during birth. You know, it's a lot of the time we're focused on um, the mothers, and um, I really wanted to just be that kind of voice for people to talk about that. You know, because since since it's happened and since we've um, shared the story and, you know, over the last few months, a lot of men have come to me and, and told me about, you know, how their, how their births were and, and some were really, you know, overjoyed with emotions of happiness and some were really overjoyed with, uh, sorry, um, some were really, you know, really, really upsetting. And, and, and they said that, you know, this was, they had never really um, gone, gone to those emotions. So I thought that was really important um, to just mm. make it a really clear message. Mm, I really love that. I really want to honour how um, that piece, like having worked in birth for a long time and I have listened to thousands of people's birth stories, men, I absolutely agree with you, do not necessarily have a forum to share what it feels like for them and often the powerlessness they can often feel because they don't know what's going on or or seeing the person they love having to work really hard or in pain or, you know, sometimes the system. It's huge. It's really huge. And I, I, I think there's a lot of men who do carry birth trauma out there that unfortunately don't have the opportunity to speak about it as well. So it's, a, it's such a gift that what you've done, Sean, just to give it a place to um, be seen and for conversations to happen and to help people see that there are other ways to move through it and to process and heal from it. It's really amazing. And I just I just want to say, well, we're going to put a link to your your beautiful song and film clip in the um in the um in our notes so people can can check it out and listen to it. Mm. Yeah. I'd also love to say, um, Sean, is there a particular dream or vision that you have when you, as you're sharing this? Because it just was launched this week, wasn't it? The song and the video. So, is there a, is there something that you're really wanting in particular to, to happen from your sharing of this beautiful work? Uh, well, I suppose you know, I want, I want the message to be to reach as many people as possible, um, so that we can start talking about. Um, healing our trauma as, as a man. Um, you know, I've I've been in contact with um, Tim Morrison a lot, and he does a lot of work on um, healing trauma as a man, also. And um, we really just, I'd love to just get it to as many people as we can. And and if you, if anybody's listening to this, and they know people who've gone through traumatic births, and um, they think it might help, you know, um, please share it and. Um, and it's the it's the beginning of a of a, a what we're calling a, a cedar series. Um, so it's the beginning of a, a, a series of videos that we're doing. And I'm, my next video that I'm going to do is by a song called "To Be a Man," and it's um, another deeply personal song about you know what it what it does mean to be a man in this society and 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 how we've been conditioned to not be able to not have a safe space to feel our emotions and um and that we're you know that we are emotional beings and um that we are we can we can speak about the, the hardships in our life and um uh you know that there is this space for that and then people will hold us in that so um mm. yeah 
it feels like there's a real rise now. There is of this, like, you know, yeah, the masculine needs to be considered in this as well. And, you know, that there is support and there is space. And, um, yeah, I think that this is, like, this beautiful invitation for just fathers and, and mothers and partners to really just raise awareness around, yeah, birth trauma is really real and it really, really affects people. Like, we know how much it affects us. And I just feel so so honored that I got to come to a place where I knew how to heal it and I felt safe in that and I just think if one in three families are experiencing this like how many people have this within their family that could be affecting their relationships with themselves with their future partners with the way that they have sex how they hold their bodies and that we're just all kind of holding on to it and no one really knows how to move it so yeah I think this is so many so many points like men come and speak out and also like you know, if, you're, if your baby is having trouble sleeping, then just get a little bit curious, maybe like, what was the birth like? What did that look like? And, you know, just know that there are ways that we can, we can help move this and hold each other through this. Mm, that's really beautiful. Mm, thank you. Uh, everything you're saying, yes, of course, is what we we absolutely support and and believe in as well. Because I think it is time to have more conversations around this. And as we often talk about, you know, the world needs more healing for sure. And um, we all need more listening. We all need more beautiful support. We all need compassion and gentleness to help us feel those parts that have been really hard, so we can feel them and let them go, and then step into what we need to do next. You know, which is a goal. And you know, that's a beautiful part of, I guess, what you're doing with Cedar is helping him process a really tricky experience in the first few days of his life, so that he can then go and be free and be who he needs to be in the world. So. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful gift. So thank you guys for sharing your story. You know, I know we both wish you so much and luck with all the creations you're going to put out there. And, you know, it's um I often used to think about that with my daughter, daughter Tali, whose middle name is Cedar. I'm just saying that as well. So um, that I feel like her birth experience and what I journeyed was one of the greatest gifts of my life because it actually brought me towards over parenting and it has shaped so much of my work moving forward. And I feel like her experience was one of the greatest gifts I could have ever received to help me um, know who I am, but also help me help others in the world. And I, I have a feeling that your beautiful cedar has probably gifted you guys a similar thing. Mm. Uh, uh, <laughs> so beautiful I'm wondering if there's any last things that you'd really like to speak um before we finish up this segment and um and after that I'd love to invite you to share where people can see the video hear the song and we will share those links as well but is there any last things that you'd like to share with the listeners I guess, you know, if you've been affected by a story or the video, then you just know that, you know, we're all just absolutely doing the best that we can with the knowledge that we have without the imprint of our own story. And some of us really can journey to unpack our stories before we birth. And it actually some, takes some people the birth itself, or it takes some people an extra 15 years on. And there's like, it's never too late there's always this beautiful moment that you can just stop and just be curious and start to lean in and yeah and just know that there is support there's there's so much support out there and yeah yeah we all have the capacity to heal like every single one of us 
and that birth trauma in fathers is very, very real. And, um, you know, maybe it might be, if you're listening to this, you know, it might be worthwhile having a chat to your partner about how the birth was, or if there's other things that need to be brought up about, you know, just um, having a good chat about it might be. Um, it's like a great place to start. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm. Wow. Thank you um, so yeah. very much. Yes. <laughs> and you're happy to share where um, people can find it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, jump onto sankalpamusic.com and that's Sean's platform here under Sankalpa Music. There's a bit of a backstory again about the birth and that's where you can watch the video. Also on YouTube, Sankalpa Music, the video is called Birth Trauma, A Father's Journey. And yeah, follow us on Instagram. I'm an aware parenting instructor in training. Um, my handle is at Sally Prin. And Sean's here is at Sankalpa underscore music. Yeah, and that's um, Sankalpa, S-A-N-K-A-L-P-A, -A um, which is uh, my, my stage name and my, um, my music name. So, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, thank you. I'm so excited imagining all the people that are, have already listened and watched the video and who will be you know, deeply affected, who, those who will watch and listen, we deeply and profoundly affected by what you're sharing with the world. So thank you both so much. I'm really deeply touched listening to you both and so glad that you're here doing what you're doing and, and bringing this information in the world that, that you are. So thank you both. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Lyle. Mm, big love. Mm, so we hope you enjoyed and um, were moved hearing Sean and Sally and Cedar's story. And now we thought we'd we'd uh, share some more about birth trauma. Well, I think the first thing I want to say is, um, you know, I'm really, um, I, I, you know, really hear the message, I guess, for Sean about dads and birth trauma, because that is a big thing. That is something I've definitely seen in my years uh, working in birth. And um, I mean, look, really statistically, what they look at it is one in three women experience birth trauma for many, many different reasons. So obviously for Sally and Sean, you know, they're they birthed and then their little one had to be taken away and they weren't able to be with him for a while. And for others, the birth trauma can come from feeling like they're being treated disrespectfully from care providers. I think I, I saw a statistic, I actually need to have a look, that it's something like, you know, one in three women experience birth trauma and 70% of it or even a little bit higher is from being treated disrespectfully or not being supported properly in birth. So that can come from a lot from the people around. Sometimes birth trauma comes from just the actual events that happen and it can be because of experiencing pain and not being able to access pain relief. It can be, there's so many different reasons why people experience birth trauma. And I think one of the things I've definitely learned over the years is that if a woman felt traumatized, then she experienced birth trauma, even though for one woman, you know, what may have happened may not have been traumatic, but for another, it may have been. And I think it definitely is like, as we know in life, that trauma is 
what happens to us and then what happens after when we don't get to process it or we don't get to experience, you know, get to um, our body doesn't get to finish or complete what it has felt in those moments. And I think, you know, when we look at, yes, there's a lot of women that have birth trauma and, you know, hopefully these days we are talking about it more or there's support for women, but I think for men it is absolutely not acknowledged and it is something that's hidden and and men can often go into, well, I, that bad experience happened and now I just have to take care of my family or however that looks. But I think birth trauma is often sits deep down inside for a lot of men and, and can often feel very challenging because they often can't do anything and they can feel very powerless and helpless. And, and it's a huge, huge experience for, for some couples and, you know, particularly, well, I think at any baby, but when you're becoming parents for the first time and you experience birth trauma as your first step into that parenting journey, it can definitely have um, a big role on effect for sure in, in relationships and couples. And I love that Sally and Sean were able to lean into each other and work through the trauma together and absolutely both embrace the healing that needed to happen. But I know for a lot of couples, that's not the case at all. Yes, I really so appreciate you deeply honouring and acknowledging that. Um, I'd also just love to speak to the cultural piece as well. You know, I love to talk about that and really looking at how birth uh, is um, perceived in this disconnected domination culture and how often that is not always, of course, but so often is, um, you know, the cause of things going awry. So I think that can be part of the the feelings that parents can feel in terms of how the system has treated uh, a woman or a couple. So I think that can be really important as well to include that be a cultural picture and, you know, why, why we are at that position of one in three uh, and you know, how birth is perceived and responded to in this culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I worked as a birth educator for a really, really long time because part of me when I first started working in birth would see the trauma and think, well, if I can educate couples around how the system works and how our bodies work and 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 how important support is and continuity of care, then perhaps we can alleviate the trauma. Now, sometimes people do all those things and have all those things in place and still feel traumatized by experiences. Sometimes that happens, but you know, what a lot of the research says as well is particularly when we have um, continuity of care. So the one care provider where we form a relationship where the woman feels deeply supported, where she's able to lean into trusting her body, where they have an understanding of what happens in the birthing process and, and they have information. You know, we talk a lot about this and about aware parenting information can help us go, Oh, okay. This is what's happening and I feel more you know I feel safer in moving forward that education piece can be so big and those those things can make a massive difference in even when we do have challenging experiences that it, that we still do feel supported and loved and and can sometimes be a lot more accepting of the experience that that unfolded but you know in my you know the years that I did listening to birth stories and thousands of them the same three themes kept turning up again and again and again and one was that people just didn't know I didn't know that that was what's going to happen and that's where our birth education is often so lacking it's where we don't hear 
positive stories enough. It's where um, sometimes, again, as you're talking about, the bigger picture of the system and the and the education they give doesn't really prepare women to work with their bodies and labour or what it's going to look like. The second piece definitely is the lack of support. So that often tied into education that we'd see as well is that when if men were going to be present or partners were going to be present at birth, if they didn't have a good understanding of how hormones work, how a woman's body is meant to work, how important emotional safety is for women, and they didn't actually understand that piece, then they often weren't able to provide the support that a woman, a birthing woman might have needed when it came to, to labouring. And so the woman can often feel let down by her partner not supporting her in the way that she needed. Uh, and then often the system, the lack of continuity of care, a system that is so much more about get women in and out it is not so much around the sacredness of what birth is and what women need in order to birth well but we are in a highly highly interventionist system that particularly here in Australia we have a very highly interventionist system that we that women birth in and that often it's the system that can sometimes cause the trauma because the women don't understand the cascade of interventions that can happen the lack of support all that kind of stuff that goes on so it is it's a big problem with the system it's a, a huge systemic problem i think birth it taps into many other things that we often talk about that needs to change and ultimately what becomes incredibly challenging is then we have to then be parents the baby comes out and is born and we are in a state of shock or trauma and then we have to move into parenting and i think as i've shared in my story on this podcast you know that that big trauma experience i had with birthing my third baby is what actually led me to aware parenting because like what Sally and Sean talked about my baby too was full of tension I would look at her and she would clench her hands her fists would be tight and then she'd make these movements with her hands her whole body was stiff and jerky she wasn't sleeping well she just wanted to feed all the time there were all those pieces as well that I could see yeah she has trauma but not knowing what to do with that was was the challenging thing and then coming across the aware baby and going wow okay this could be something that could really help us both unpack the story. And that's where it all went for me, you know, and I love that Sally shared that that's, she heard our podcast talking about that. And then that really resonated with her. And, you know, that really, I had tears listening to that piece of her story because I was like, wow, look at that had just for me has come full circle of my journey and experience. And then her hearing that and then what that's allowed her to do. And now what she's doing and taking they're her story and see the story out into the world and and that that can also help and impact others, which, you know, makes me really, really happy, really happy. But I think when we come back to the birth trauma, um, you know, I guess if parents are listening to this and they're thinking, yes, I have birth trauma, I know a lot of people go, well, what do I do? Where do I start? How do I do the healing? And I think, um, you know, maybe I might talk a little bit for the parents piece of how they might want to do some healing. And then Marion, you could talk about that as far as babies or even toddlers or even bigger kids. Sometimes it's never too late for that healing. I would just say uh, as a parent, if you feel like you've been through birth trauma, sometimes the first piece is really understanding the story properly. 
So that can be things like actually talking to um, not someone who actually really understands birth, who's worked in birth, who actually specializes in birth trauma counseling, who can help you unpack the story because sometimes people will go and seek out support and they might find a psychologist or a counselor. But I think if you don't have a good understanding of birth and the system, a lot can be missed. So I think actually going and firstly understanding the story, the brain needs to understand the story. And that can be also requesting your notes from the hospital or your care providers to see what it was that they wrote down of what happened that can be a powerful process to understand first where how the story happened perhaps where those pieces turned up where you felt disempowered or you didn't feel that your needs were being met and and beginning to understand is it the system that that on some level let you down was it the lack of support what is it that went on that can help make sense as to why perhaps the story unfolded the way it did sometimes there is no why either sometimes it just is you know I always used to come back to our babies sometimes choose how they want to be born no matter what we do and what things we try and put in place sometimes our babies you know decide so I think firstly that that piece of understanding the story is really really powerful and also having your story heard by someone who doesn't judge and doesn't say oh but at least your baby's okay or who can sit there and really hold space for your feelings within it so someone who can create space for you to cry if you feel you need to or yell or get angry or or really be heard in the story can be very very powerful I think there's also that part of helping the body understand um, and release the trauma from that experience as well. So I ended up having um, a cesarean for my third baby and it was quite an emergency. And every time I had to go somewhere, I had to lay down on any form of table, whether it was a, you know, having acupuncture or an osteo treatment, or if I had to go into a doctor's or something, my whole body would start to shake. And it was almost like being in that same position again. Um, I, I, I couldn't cope. Like it just, I would, um, I, all the feelings would start coming up and it, and that really helped me realize that, wow, my body was still holding a whole lot of story around what was happening. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot in this podcast about trauma and about what our bodies need. You can go back and listen to our wisdom of trauma talks we did, you know, around Gabor Mate's beautiful film. And um, we've got lots of suggestions in there, but, you know, I think helping our body release the trauma, whether that's through somatic work, whether it's through so many different things you can do. We touched on many, many of them um, that can help, you know, you be held. And so the body begins to, to know that it can let go of some of the trauma and I have I've also shared this in the podcast when I worked as a doula and and attended many births there were plenty of times where births where it had gotten a little bit um, challenging or it was really tricky or difficult at the end and after women to give birth they'd just lay there and they'd shake and shake and shake and often the midwives would be like, oh, you're just cold. I'll give you a blanket. But I would often sit there and go, no, no, I'm just going to be here while you shake. And I would literally just hold the woman. I remember one time climbing up onto the bed next to the woman. Her little boy had to go up to the to the um, the NICU and the dad went with the baby and I literally laid next to this mum and held her while she shook for a good hour after the birth and she cried and shook and cried and shook and I just held her while she did that and then after that she she kind of calmed and then she was like okay let's go see the baby you know she had the opportunity I think in that moment to feel a lot of what what happened because it was a very really quick delivery at the end and then Baba wasn't doing so well 
So I think giving our bodies the opportunity to process what it couldn't at the time is really, really valuable. And again, we've, we've talked a lot about different ways to do that. Of course, you know, crying and, and raging and shaking and all that beautiful stuff. But, you know, if you are still carrying birth trauma, you might need, you know, someone to hold that space for you to be able to make it safe enough for you to release some of those feelings. That can be a beautiful way to do it. And I also just really think when it comes to healing birth trauma, time is really important that we need to give ourselves time to heal that um, sometimes we need to talk about the same pieces again and again, there are often many layers to it and that it sometimes takes time for us to, to fully process the experience of what happened with that. And of course, as we, we look at what healing we need for us. The more that we do, the more capacity it gives us to then hold space for our beautiful babies or children if they've experienced that. And so, you know, the work often works in parallel. I think the more that we can be heard and process our story, then the more that we can turn up for our little ones and then they sense that and say, okay, here's this piece that we're going to feel now. So they would probably be my best suggestions when we're looking at birth trauma you know, is to help understand the story, to be heard in our stories and to help our bodies um, move whatever story is sitting there so that we can, you know, we are able to finish processing and then to, to move forward. I often find too, just as a side note, you know, sometimes women who do perhaps have traumatic first birth experiences, which I used to see a lot more of because they, you know, we often go into birth first time around quite naive, apart from you, Marion, who did all your research and study. <laughs> but a lot of us go in, um, you know, not knowing. And, and again, because I don't think we've been given the information that we often need, that sometimes first birth experiences are very traumatic and then we become parents and then we just have to get on with being a parent. And it's not until, you know, we get pregnant second time round that those feelings pop up again. And that's often where sometimes women will move into doing more work because they're like, well, that first time was scary. Or even for dads as well. I've, I've worked with a lot of dads when a second baby's coming because they're terrified and there's a lot of fear still sitting there that they need to work through. So sometimes knowing that a birth experience is going to come that that brings up a whole lot that needs to be healed. But I, I want to come back to, again, just trusting timing for people around it because it's it's big. It's a really big journey, birth trauma. Mm. Would you like to talk a little bit about, you know, how that might look in helping our babies or little ones, you know, heal from trauma? Mm, thank you so much for sharing that, Lyle. So beautiful. Um, yeah, well, I was going to talk about what you had just shared then, that, that process, because sometimes it can be, you know, like with Sally and Sean, that they they went in and started listening. You know, sometimes it needs to be us doing our inner work first. Sometimes it's we're listening to our baby first. Sometimes it's more of a parallel process. So again, it's different for, for every family. Um, and again, I think so important to remember that information piece. So I would really recommend if anyone's um, thinking of supporting their baby to heal from trauma through crying in arms, uh, that they read Aletha Salter's book, The Aware Baby, for example, um, as many times as they possibly can, but to actually understand the theory. And, you know, we both have articles and things that you can read. So to actually have a cognitive understanding of what's happening can be really helpful so that you know um, how this works, why it works, what's going on, what to expect, all of those things. 
um, then supporting ourselves as well to feel as resourced as we can, which may be on that really practical level. So if you if you have that sense where I really want to start listening to my baby's experience, I want to listen to those feelings is um, setting up a space for that to happen. So that's making sure that we are really held. That might be just having a special sofa or chair, which is really supportive and um you know, so we've really got that sense that we can be holding our baby whilst being held ourselves. That might be if you have a partner who's willing to be there with you in that process, perhaps you're there together, perhaps uh, you're being held whilst you hold your baby. So really, again, on that needs level to be really attending to our needs as much as we can and to be aiming to listen when we feel most possibly resourced. So it's probably not, I mean, and sometimes it may though happen that time where you're, you've got big feelings about the birth and they're just sitting there crying and maybe listening to your baby crying as well in the middle of the night, perhaps. So of course, sometimes that is going to happen, but often it can be really helpful to connect in with when we are ready and willing to listen. And that will include um, having uh, that reassurance that as Sean was saying, that their needs are being met. They've been recently fed. They're, if they're wearing nappies, they've got a clean nappy. You know, they're comfortable in their bodies as much as possible that we can do to attend to. And then where we actually just not, not jiggling, not rocking, not distracting, just really bringing that presence to ourselves and to saying to our baby, I'm right here with you. I'm listening. Would you like to tell me all about it? I just want to add in a piece there, Marion, which is, is I think this is really helpful, exactly as you were saying, that that being resourced to do it. So for me, when I first started listening to my daughter's feelings, after I'd literally read Aletha's book and went, wow, I think you know we need to try this. For me, I used to um, really do releasing with her. I could only really do it once a day. My older two kids would have been at kinder and school, so I knew that I had the space to do it with my third baby. And I, I would do all those things, make sure she was fed, clean, all that kind of stuff. And it was usually before she was needing to probably have another nap, that's when I would go. And I knew that we could do it. And I and it was during the day too. It used to be about 1.30 or 2 o'clock. So I wasn't too exhausted. It wasn't late at night. I would do it when I had some fuel in my tank really so that I could sit and listen. And then she would often have big, big feelings. And then we would often both have a sleep afterwards. So it was kind of a perfect way to do it where I had enough to be able to listen and then she would have a really big release and then we would both be able to fall asleep and that felt really beautiful and nourishing to both of us and that's how it first started as I first began practicing and then and as it's so beautifully as Sean and Sally said looking for the evidence you know watching her little body stop clenching her fists and deeply relax and she would then gaze into my eyes and she would smile and she would sleep better and all those beautiful things they talked about I needed to keep seeing that evidence in the beginning to really go, yes, wow, this is this is a really profound thing. So sorry to interrupt you, but Ooh, I, I no, wonder I if that's that. helpful for people yes. who are just starting to go, oh, yeah, I could do 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That that could work for me. Yes, anyway, yeah. sorry. yes exactly. Going. Finding that exact time where I always think it's like finding that window where we are resourced enough and the feelings are close enough to the surface for them. However, if it's a baby who's had birth trauma, usually the feelings are pretty close to the surface. So what we generally find is actually if you stop moving, distracting and just are present in your body and just are present with them, holding them, usually they will drop into the feelings pretty quickly. That's the amazing thing about babies and children is those feelings are very close to the surface. They haven't had years and years and years of suppression. 
like we have so just that loving presence will often mean those feelings bubble up Mm. Uh, and then of course the third piece which is what you spoke to which is you know doing our own inner work because generally um, our own feelings uh, for our, from our own infancy will show up whatever happened to us when we cried if we were left alone those feelings are likely to show up for us um, we're likely to feel fear and doubt and concern because of course we want to make sure we're meeting all our baby's needs um, we are you know if we experience birth trauma in our own birth as a baby that might even come up as well as our own experience of what happened during the birth you know we like again I love how um Sally and Sean shared about they uh, um having those that intuitive sense are oh, my baby's healing from this part of the birth right now and actually remembering and connecting with those feelings ourselves as well so it's a lot and that is why it is so important to have some kind of listening ourselves whether that's an empathy buddy or an aware parenting instructor there are many on uh, the awareparenting.com website so you can find out an instructor to get support from um, I think often people um, kind of do it alone. And I think if you're feeling resourced and you, that's you know wonderful, but so often it's like, this is a really important time to get in extra support in whatever way, in practical ways, but also emotional support to, to um, have our feelings heard. I mean, it's one of the biggest things to be able to listen to our baby who's going to have big feelings. It's really normal and natural for them to have really big, loud feelings is probably going to be one of the most challenging things in terms of exactly you know what happened to us as a baby our own feelings around about all the things i just said so the other thing i'd love to share as well is in terms of similar to what you were saying lal is uh, knowing what we have capacity for so knowing that the first time it, it might be you just listen to two minutes or one minute without jiggling and rocking distracting and trying to feed or put a dummy in or whatever it is and to know that whatever amount that you listen to your baby has expressed those feelings and even if after a minute or five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 or however long it is you say sweetheart I think you've got more feelings and I'm not able to listen to any more right now and I'm gonna rock you jiggle you give you the dummy feed you distract you whatever that is um, and I'd love to listen again you know next time is that that will still have made a difference to them I mean obviously the more we can listen to the more of a difference it makes but you're not undoing anything by distracting and I think often parents can think that they've somehow um, negated what they've just done but you you're not negating it any any time and you know most most of us most babies in the world have never ever ever had their feelings listened to most children most adults haven't so even if you only do it once that is still going to be a profound thing for your baby so to really mm. celebrate what you can do take your own time it build up over time if you want to do that and just really do what you can do um, and you know celebrate what you can do Mm, I love that. I love that. Yes, you're so right. Just go with what you can. And if, like, if you are just listening to this for the first time and you're kind of understanding what do you mean about, you know, perhaps not jiggling or meeting their needs or those kind of things, you know, we did a podcast maybe a few months ago called Babies Part Two, though we talk a lot about more about this around holding space for their feelings and what that might look like. So if you want more information, go and check out that podcast called Babies Part Two that has, um, more info in there i'm wondering marion then do you want to talk into a little bit about if you have perhaps a toddler or a slightly older child and you're thinking well yes we did have a really traumatic birth 
and perhaps some of that's still there, something that parents could do to maybe lean into that or create space for some healing around that? Well, as we talked about in the in all the trauma podcasts after after Gabor Matei's documentary, we did talk a bit about these things. So you might also want to listen there. But one of the ways is that really, as we always talk about, really trusting that babies and children know how to heal from trauma, and they will constantly invite those things. So a toddler might just want to play these tunnel games all the time, or they may constantly they want to play some kind of hide and seek and they, they get their head stuck in a particular position every single time, or they're just, um, you know, having really big tantrums when you give them the pink cup instead of the red cup. So, um, so number one is through play. So uh, attached from play, you can listen to our podcast on that. We did one on healing trauma through play as well, didn't mm, we? Yes. Go and listen to that one, but just to really, to actually see these amazing wise beings are actually constantly inviting us to support them in healing that might be through play it might be through having a massive tantrum over some little thing it might be that often it's things around um things like not uh, crying if they have a a t-shirt put over the head because again anything that reminds them of that experience so like you shared lel so if your baby maybe um had a medical procedure after birth or was intubated or was suctioned out any of those things and they that was while they were lying down you may find if you if you uh, use nappies and they're lying down for a nappy change they might start crying every time so we start to understand that our babies are trying to express these things they want to release them they want to feel more comfortable in their bodies um, and also you know for child's hitting or biting or throwing or taking or pushing and that's often feelings that can be from um, a sense of powerlessness in the birthing experience that they had that's showing up in um, in that way but it also can show up in terms of going to more freeze or dissociation or any of the control patterns thumb sucking hair twirling just like going internal and that may happen in a particular thing it may be when they're going out in the maybe oh so that's another one may show up in um, the car seat often birth feelings not only birth trauma, but any birth feelings will often show up again when there's that reminder. So the constraint of the mm. car seat, also putting a baby, it's back to babies, putting them in a sling or carrier that can also help them connect with those feelings. So um, in that case, I've worked with many parents who, uh, I know parents who didn't go out for the past year because every time they put the baby in the car seat, they would cry. What you can do is the more you listen to crying in arms at home, the more the larger percentage of the feelings they release, which means those feelings are not showing up in the car seat, which of course is really hard because number one, they don't have that uh, loving support if we're driving or you know we can sit in the back if maybe a partner's driving and listen that way. But ideally, listen to as much as we can and then those things are not going to show up in those trickier places. So it's starting to really understand what in the present moment is reminding them of their birth. How can I support them by either cooperating with their play, listening to their crying or tantrums, um, you know, supporting them if they're getting in these tricky positions or they never want a hat on or those kinds of things. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I, I think such beautiful suggestions. And I also think too, I have found when we as the adult has a willingness um, to listen you know, even if you just are kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to lean into that. Then often children will sense that and go, okay, here it is. <laughs> Let's bring some stuff to the surface. You know, one other thing that I have done that um, helped me is um, when my babies were asleep or my, well, my toddler actually 
both my kids when they were bigger and um, it was after I kind of just came to aware parenting with my two older kids and I realised that from their birth there was stuff that I probably wasn't aware of or didn't get to unpack. And what I did with them is when they were asleep at night, I would lay next to them and I would tell them their birth stories and I would just tell them really slowly and gently. And what they would often do is I was telling the stories, they would move in their sleep. They would make certain noises and, and I would tell them what happened at their birth and just say, I give you, you know, please release whatever doesn't feel good for you. And so sometimes they would moan and groan in their sleep as I was telling their story, or sometimes in the days afterwards, I would see more stuff come up and remembering that when we're asleep, our conscious mind is often switched off. Well, it is switched off because we're asleep and our subconscious mind is still active. So it's listening to everything. And so that's why often talking um, to our children while they're asleep can be really powerful because it can actually start, you know, creating some subconscious change for 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 anybody really. Uh, you know, I, we both um, trained and studied um, and did Calm Birth, which is such a beautiful program. And, you know, a lot of we use subconscious um, programming in that, that women listen to these subconscious relaxations whilst they're pregnant about birth and what their bodies are available to do. And that process can be really profound um, after the birth as well for, for all of us, not just around birth, but for all kinds of healing. And so that was something that I started with first is telling my children their story and just watching, observing and, and seeing what happened after that. And that felt like a nice, gentle place for me to start before I even moved into listening to big feelings around it. Mm, I love that, Lau. I'm also remembering too, I shared in a different podcast about my daughter's story when she was six and um, was having some dental work, uh, moving her jaw, that that helped her. She'd already done a lot of crying in arms as a baby and crying as a younger child, but that helped her connect with another level of feeling. So it's also thinking about anything that might remind them of their experience. So if it was a um, if it was traumatic, it was probably going to be probably in the hospital for most people that maybe if they go to hospital that they start to have some really big feelings or perhaps it's something similar. So they go to the dentist and in some way that is, again, similar to their original experience, they might start crying a lot or, uh, you know, really expressing really big feelings. So, again, we can really trust that our children will you know, as, as much as they need to, they will show us these feelings. They, they know how to heal from birth trauma. Isn't that amazing? Mm. We understand that we cooperate with that. We're resourced enough to support them. They'll do what they need to do. And, you know, one other thing I just want to mention about birth trauma is, is something that I have witnessed, I guess more women carry than anything is a guilt around how the birth went or how they might have felt like their body perhaps failed in some way. And, um, you know, we have a great podcast on guilt. Um, we, we feel like we're plugging all our podcasts this week, but there's so many beautiful topics we've covered. But that I have heard that many, many times, so women feeling, you know, if the birth took a different path, if they ended up in a cesarean, which they didn't want, if they developed something else in the pregnancy, there can often be a big story of I've let my baby down, I've let myself down. And, and that can be a really big story to carry. And I, I just want to really acknowledge that for some women that that is a big part of their healing and process to to find forgiveness for themselves, to find an acceptance for the story, to do whatever they need to do to heal those pieces of whatever happened for them, you know, that, that there is a big piece, I think for a lot of women of I couldn't do it right, or it, it's not fair that it didn't work the way I wanted to, or it's my fault because of what happened, you know, with my baby or, and, um, 
you know, that as always, we talk about compassion and gentleness and kindness for ourselves because we're all doing the best job we know how, you know, and I think after working in birth for a long time, I really came to see that, you know, we, we can all have beautiful golden magnificent intentions of how we want our births to be, but our babies are going to tell their story in one way or another. And, and it's our job to, to be as present as possible if we can with it. And, and we're all doing the best job we know how. So, you know, that is another huge piece that I've often seen for women around their healing and process and what it is that they need to do to find that within themselves to complete the story, to make sense of the story, to, to, um, yeah, find a place where they can sit, where it feels complete and they are sitting in deep compassion and hopefully reverence for themselves, for the courage it took to do what they did. Mm. Yes, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, for many, many years when my kids were little, every time they'd have a birthday and, of course, often your birth story pops up when your child's birthday and there were some years where lots of grief would come up for me around certain parts of their birth and other years where I'd be like, someone should throw me a bloody parade. Do you know how full on it was trying to birth this child? <laughs> Do you know that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life? And Why am I not being acknowledged for the absolute triumph, whether it was that it was challenging or I had to surrender or it didn't work the way I want or it was traumatic. Like it's, you know, it's birth is such a rite of passage for many, many women. For some, not so much, right? For some, that's not their challenge. But for others, it is such a huge thing. And I do not think that we acknowledge enough what it is for a woman to grow a baby in her body and then for it to be come out of her body in whatever way it does. It's huge. It's such a big thing. And I think Gosh, we need to celebrate, support and love women way more for what that is. Such a big yes. Mm. You know, I love nowadays uh, often in the communities we move in when anyone shares a, the birthday of their child, everyone always writes, don't they, nowadays, happy birthday mm. and happy birthing day to you. And I really yes. like that joint acknowledgement. It's, no, yes. it's a, joint, a joint experience. and That is. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. very powerful so if you have listened to this podcast and you know it's brought up some feelings for you there are some pretty um, great places where you can get support around birth trauma so of course from an aware parenting lens you know we recommend the aware baby book which is a wonderful book there is as Marion mentioned lots of aware parenting instructors all over the world um, so that might be a place to start there's also some really amazing organizations who deal with birth trauma. Birth Talk is one here in Australia that does has some great stuff around being able to talk and unpack your stories. And there are also um, birth workers out there who do birth debriefing that can be really powerful as part of healing your story as well. So we'll try and put some links as in, in this podcast, um, you know, for you to access some support or help if you need in unpacking your story. But I it's a really important thing to do and I know that it can bring up a lot of feelings but um, I have found that when you do it, it can create lots of shifts in your family and for you and for your child. Mm. Yes. I'd also love to mention I have a couple of offerings. I have my Aware Parenting Babies Q&A Vault and an Aware Parenting Babies course that I run with Helena Mooney, who's another Aware Parenting instructor. So yeah, those also can be helpful for just understanding more about the practice of aware parenting with a baby. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Is there anything else you would like to offer, Marion, what you'd like to say before we finish off? I'm sending love to all the babies, the babies that are babies now, the inner and the inner baby. So that's the inner baby of all of us and the inner baby of our child. You know, we talk about a lot about inner child work and inner children work, which we both do. Um, but I often like to think of it as well for our children, that even if they're 15 or nine or seven or three, that they also have an inner baby within them that will show up at time to time mm. and will keep trying to do any healing that hasn't been done yet. So love to all the babies inner and outer. Mm. Yeah. And I think my invitation would be um, just to be super kind to yourself if you have feelings that come up from this podcast or that you still are sitting in a place where you feel like there's trauma there just start with being really gentle with yourself because that's always the first step towards moving more towards compassion and and getting the support or that you may need for whatever healing is possible for you or for your child so lots of gentleness and kindness you know I and uh, look I just want to say to finish off obviously listening to Sally and Sean's story, um, you know, relate to a lot of what they talk about, you know, my, and I've shared obviously my story with Tali on this podcast many times here, but I sit in a place now, you know, she's 13 and a half now. And I, I just feel nothing but gratitude for my whole experience for her. I, I love what they were saying that healing is possible. I really do believe healing is possible. And, you know, for many, many years, whenever I would talk about Tali's story or try to process it, I'd feel like I want to vomit. I would shake. I would have so many reactions to it. And it feels really beautiful to be able to sit here now those years later and actually just feel nothing but gratitude for an incredible experience that taught me so much. So I just want to offer that to people that, you know, if you are really stuck in something, that healing is possible. And sometimes it's time and sometimes it's doing the work, but it definitely is possible. Mm. Yeah. Mm, thank you so much for listening and so much love to you. Mm, thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.